Hey ASM, how's it going? Uh, if you are new with us this week, you've somehow stumbled upon our video, a friend invited you to come and watch this with them. Uh, my name is Curtis. I am one of the pastors here at ASM or Alderwood Student Ministry. Uh, if you're watching this video on your own, that's totally fine. Uh, what I'm gonna ask you to do though is grab a copy of God's Word. You can uh, look it up online or if you have a physical copy that you can pull out and have there with you so that you can actually follow along as we're teaching through uh, this passage. Uh, the intention for all of these videos is that you would use them in the context of your small group during our midweek gatherings on Zoom. So hopefully you have had your small group time, now you're going to watch this as a uh, small group, and then you're going to move into a time of discussion after the video is over. Thank you so much for gathering with us this week. Let's see what Austin's prepared for us this week. Hey guys, I'm so excited. We are starting our new series with you this week. It is called Meant for Good. It is the life of Joseph. We are in Genesis 37 through 50. Uh, we're just gonna spend five weeks in here talking about his life. We're gonna talk about um, this title, Meant for Good, comes from this, this story. Uh, you may have heard of it, heard the saying, heard the phrase before. It's in Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph says, what you meant for harm, what you intended for harm or evil, God intended it for good. And we're gonna use that as our main idea, as our lens to look at uh, the life of Joseph and comparing it to our lives and the world that we're in right now of how things were meant for harm, how things look and appear and are evil and how God uses that for his good and his glory. And that's what we're gonna do for five weeks. And we're excited to do that with you. And we've started this week already. So hopefully you've had a great small group discussion already, already just jumping in. This is such a rich story. It's an interesting story. It's crazy. Um, honestly, there's a lot of crazy things happening. Um, but if you haven't yet, go ahead. I encourage you, read the passage. Read uh, Genesis 37 this week um, and find out what's happening. So go ahead and you can pause and do that and, and jump right back with us. So this story, we jump in right away. Our main idea is God brings good out of broken families. And make no mistake, Joseph's family is severely broken. Uh, man, the very first thing, his father names Joseph as his favorite and doesn't even try to hide it. Now imagine if your parents named one of your siblings as their favorite. You may think they have a favorite, but imagine they don't even make it a secret. They say, Sally is my favorite. Out of all you kids, she's my favorite. And they clearly tell you, I'm going to treat her better than the rest of you. That's where we start. And understandably, but also wrongfully, his brothers are pretty mad about that. Uh, they kind of hate his guts. Joseph gets way better treatment, has to work less, gets better gifts. He gets his fancy jacket. You've probably heard of it. Uh, and they plot at this one time, Joseph goes out to them and they figure out, we can kill him. And they try to pull it off, but don't worry, they're good brothers. They actually relax it back from killing him to just selling him into slavery. Uh, clearly messed up, right? Do not want to be a part of that family. But there's a second side of it. So Joseph's family is messed up, but Joseph is also a part of that family and he is messed up himself. 
right? Joseph is honestly, he's a little butt face. He's a little turd nugget. Like, look at this. Verse three, 37 verse three, the very first time that we see Joseph in scripture, Joseph is giving a bad report. He's dissing on his brothers. That is our first introduction to Joseph. Now, we don't know if that report is warranted or not, but Joseph is known as his father's favorite. He disses on his brothers. Then the next thing he does is he has a couple of these dreams, which are visions from God, albeit. But Joseph, the way he handles it is he says, guess what, bros? You know how I'm dad's favorite? I'm also God's favorite. You're going to bow down to me. Me, the dude who doesn't work as hard as you, you're bowing down to me. Even Joseph's dad, Jacob, he doesn't love that. He even rebukes him over that. So Joseph is clearly kind of puffed up. He's a little bit lazy. The time that he's supposed to, or the time that his brothers want to kill him and instead sell him into slavery, Joseph is found lounging around, hanging out with his dad instead of out working in the fields with his brothers. So there's a lot of things. Joseph is not perfect. Don't get confused. Now, Joseph is also still, we will see redeeming in the end. He is a godly man. He pursues after God in this story. So we know that in the end, Joseph does actually serve God's purpose. But in this story, where we're left off at the very end of the chapter, Joseph is sold into slavery and that's it. His father thinks he's dead. Joseph is gone. His brothers think they got away with it end of story. And I want you to put yourself into Joseph's shoes just for a second, right? Imagine, and this might be hard, but just imagine that God has clearly called you to a great purpose. God gave him these dreams, the dreams where his brothers would bow down before him, where he was the brightest star. He's intended for great purpose, clear as day from a vision from God. And the part that Joseph is in is that he was almost murdered and instead now sold into slavery. And that's where we hold. And it actually holds there longer because you'll see next week, it doesn't get better for him. It just keeps getting worse and worse. This is where we're left. This is where the story ends for us right now. And this can feel frustrating. If you were living this out, we can just keep turning the page and find out the next answer. But if you're living this out, this is years and years of time for Joseph. And so in our own lives, it can feel forever, like an eternity. When we're going through a season of trial and difficulty and suffering, it doesn't feel like we have the clear conclusion. We want to know how the story ends, but we just don't get to know that yet. Think about the world that we're in right now, and I think this relates really, really well. It feels like in this time, all the recent events that have happened the past couple of months and especially the past couple of weeks, it can feel like the world is falling apart around us. We've been promised good things from God for the future, and right now we can look at it and say, I don't know how that's going to come about. I don't know how this is going to finish. How are we going to get to a place where there is perfect peace? How are we gonna get to a place where we love each other well? How are we gonna get to a place where there's not racism? How are we gonna get to a place where there's not coronavirus? I just wanna speak into that. And we need to have long-term vision and there's also practical things that we need to do in the world right now. Our world's in turmoil, our world's falling apart. We need people who know 
that God is good, that know God's plan, that he is in control. We don't know all the details of the plan. Joseph didn't know all the details of the plan. He knew that in the end, God is gonna elevate him. For us, we know that in the end, Jesus will be bowed before, he will be praised, he'll be glorified, and we know that there will be no more hurt, no more evil, no more sin in the world. We know that's coming, and our goal right now is that we bring about God's work, we serve him obediently, and as servants, right? And so we don't get to know the entire plan and that can feel frustrating. But what we can do is we can still follow him. We'll see later, Joseph still follows God. We can look to love our brother. We can look to learn. I'm gonna talk into the racial inequality, into the racial tensions that are happening right now. We can learn from our African-American brothers and sisters, the pain that they feel. That is our job. We're to love them, we're to understand. At the same time, we're to to carry that love out to all peoples, right? And so we don't get to just angrily yell into the world out of hatred or frustration. We're actually called to, to take that learning, take that frustration in, and it's okay to feel frustrated where there's sin. It's okay to feel frustrated where the world is broken and evil. Racism is sin. That is clear as day. It's okay to feel frustrated at that. But we take that emotion, we don't take that out on other people. We don't go to someone and just unleash anger and hatred back at them. In the same way, we also don't get to turn a blind eye to what's happening. We don't get to look at a world that's broken around us and say, well, God's at work. I'm just gonna bury my head in the sand and bunker down until this is all over. No, we're actually called to be uh, God's ambassadors here on this earth. So we need to be proactive in how we think about this and how we speak about this. Uh, And this applies, again, not just to racial tensions that are happening, but especially in this time as the church, we're supposed to lead the way in terms of being God's people. We're supposed to lead the way in loving our brother. We're supposed to lead the way in bringing about peace. And so we need to be proactive and we need to think about how we can do this well, right? I just want to ask, these are just some questions for you to ponder. Do you feel apathetic? Do you feel just hopeless? And maybe it's hopeless in a situation in your own life. Maybe you can think back to a time that you felt this way. Maybe you feel it right now when you just look at the world and you say, I don't know, this is all frustrating and I just wanna pretend it's not happening. But do you feel that apathy or hopelessness? What does it result in? What are your actions because of that? Does it cause you to wanna shut down and hide? Or does it cause you to wanna run to God and seek his comfort and seek his answers for what we're supposed to do? Secondly, I wanna ask, when you feel hopelessness, when you feel apathy or frustration, confusion of not knowing what to do, when the world seems like it's falling apart, how can you build practices that will help you to hold steadfast to the truth that God has given you, to the purpose that God has given you. We are intended for great things. We are intended as his sons and daughters to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his family. We're to have steadfastness in that hope, in that purpose. That does not waver. So what can we do when we feel that hopelessness coming in, when we feel apathy, a feeling like nothing we do will matter? 
How do we fight against that? And what practices can we have that will instead build up steadfastness and hope? Guys, this is such a rich story. And and like I said, it speaks into the world that we're in right now. So I hope that you'll see that over the next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to diving this in with you. Again, I say this every time, I can't wait to see you again. I hope it's someday soon. Uh, But love you, miss you, enjoy your time in the Word. Thanks. ASM, guys, I know I just closed our video saying I can't wait to see you guys. I just got information just now about when we can start to meet again. We are working on a plan. We're getting it together. It's happening. More information is coming your way this week. So watch Instagram. Be checking your email. It's coming soon. So get ready. I can't wait to see you guys again. It's happening. It's real. It's here. Let's go.